Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. I am super excited today to have Zach DeFord with me. We met actually a few years ago when Operate was just getting going. And Zach just immediately impressed me with how genuine and humble he is. And I think you'll see that clearly today. And I would say even more than that uh, was his why, why he was starting Smurf. And uh, I will, we'll definitely talk more about that today as well. Zach and his co-founder, Ben, are great guys. They've built this really important part of the future of the gaming industry, you know, a key part of the infrastructure and the future experience that many of us and many of our kids and others will experience in the coming years. This live event, cross-game identity and management platform that Smurf is becoming is so cool. We're also really fortunate and excited to be a partner with Zach and Ben through Operate, and we've just seen them do so much in such a short period of time over the last couple of years. Zach, really excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words. It's really nice. Absolutely. So I've t- talked about it, you know, in the intro. Let's talk about starting Smurf. You know, I mentioned your why. What led you to really get this company off the ground? Yeah, I mean, uh, the why for us is really simple and it's very, you know, important and central to what we do. I mean, in my life, um, online gaming, video gaming has been an amazingly positive experience um, for me. I've met some of my best friends in life. Um, through that, had lots of people become mentors in my life, open up opportunities for me. Um, you know, and there's some negative experiences that go along with gaming, but the positive, it always massively outweighed that. Um, and I'd say after I graduated college, I ended up moving out to California um, from Pennsylvania to take a job with Netflix at the time. And I was really close with my little brother, and he had just gotten to that age where he could start to play online and things. Mm. So we got him an Xbox. Um, we were playing on Xbox Live and things together all the time. And it was it was really good to stay connected that way. Um, but as he started to play on his own, he started to get harassed a lot. Um, mm. He had a lot of toxic experiences online that kind of drove him to not use his mic online, to not want to play online. Um, and that's really where it kind of came home to me that, you know, I wanted to do whatever I could to make this thing that was immensely positive in my life be positive for other people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, good sort of jumping off. So you you had this immensely positive experience. Your brother had mixed. He was getting harassed. So you said, okay, I, I need to figure out how to make this more positive. So where do you go from, from there? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, initially, I wouldn't even say that we were intending to start a startup. Um, we were mm-hmm. really looking at this like problem a lot. And it was it's mm-hmm. just me at the time. And I was doing lots of research. And I saw tons of organizations that were committed to like social movements, um, kind of the ethos of like anti-toxicity and things like that. But I didn't see a lot of like really viable tech solutions. Um, and when I was like really talking to people about what they're experiencing and seeing what my brother was going through, it seemed that there was some low hanging fruit on like the, you know, infrastructure side of things, the social infrastructure that underlied those like experiences that if it were there, it could have prevented a lot of this from happening. So the ability to just be able to block people or, you know, play with certain friends and stuff like that. Um, so initially it started off very simple of just trying to surround him with, you know, people mm-hmm. that would be positive mm-hmm. influences in his life. So when I couldn't play with him, trying to help him find a community of other gamers that were, you know, 
going to be, you know, good to play with. Um, and then it really stemmed into trying to figure out how to make that scalable, how to make that actually, you know, how to create technology that could support bringing that to life. Very cool. Well, let's let's go one step farther. So you're now uh, in in the almost ready to go live stage with your first major studio and game. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But what what is that actually going to look like for, let's say, end game players and how they're going to experience Smurf? Yeah, I mean, a big part of what we're doing is really, like I said before, like innovating the underlying social infrastructure of games. Uh, that means a couple different things, but mainly it's it's creating this player centric approach to online games where today we're in this really messy point of the evolution of the online gaming and the gaming industry where there's all these different platforms and different IDs and ways that people connect and stuff. And it's as a result, your social ecosystem is completely fragmented across these things. It's hard to stay connected with people, make meaningful connections and take those across games. So that's really where we're building and innovating uh, solutions for us is connecting all these different disparate systems, creating a a player centric approach where the player gets to own their social vector across all these different titles. And, you know, when they create friends and things in one place, they can take them to another and jump into the game together and, you know, find other communities and things that are, that are like-minded with that as well. Very cool. Well, it it seems like that portability will, will become an increasingly important part of the gaming industry for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So before we go deeper into this uh, launch that's, that's coming up, let's talk a little bit about the name. So Smurf, S-M-E-R-F is such a cool name. Um, wh- where does that come from? Yeah, um, like I said, we're lifelong gamers. And, um, you know, I was I played a lot of early competitive World of Warcraft. And I think that, that that's actually where the term smurfing came from. And this concept of smurfing is really this idea of like really high level, high rank players creating new accounts um, where they're low level, low rank. So they can basically just harass and just dominate new players, um, players that are way lower skilled than them. And that's like a terrible experience. One of the the most toxic experiences you can have is picking up a new game and just getting absolutely dominated (laughs) by somebody that just shouldn't be playing against you. Uh, That's called smurfing. Um, So we really wanted to be a solution to kind of help prevent that, um, you know, so we we called it Smurf, where we were going to help identify these IDs and, and who had multiple IDs in a game and even promote the positive use of multiple IDs in a game. Because there are some instances where, you know, you can be really good at a title and you have friends that are just getting into it and you might want to create a new account to help them, you know, kind of get into the game and not affect mm. your stats and things. So we knew that there's positive uses of that. So we kind of played with this, you know, well-known word and concept mm-hmm. of Smurf and you know, how it relates to multiple IDs and it just sort of fit with what we were trying to do. Yeah, it's definitely a memorable name. And I think the funny thing is, uh, in general, it, it the word itself has sort of a positive feel to it. So uh, I think it's a, a great name for the the company and certainly has, has looked uh, great on, on some of the swag that you guys have as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. So, I, you know, I talked a bit about the fact that you are about to go live with your first big studio and, and game, you know, getting that first big client like that is such a dream for entrepreneurs. Let's talk about that journey. How did that start to come about? 
Yeah, it's a it's a funny story. I think it's a little bit of an interesting one. Um, you know, at the time to kind of back up and provide some context, you know, at that time we were bootstrapping um what we were doing. We were really working a little bit and then we had decided to take in a little bit of money to take a few months to really sit down and develop the product. We knew that there's this this need and this fit and we had already started mapping things out and and made some provisional patents and things. And we wanted to start building that solution. So, we took in some money um, ben and I both quit our jobs and we started to do this full time. And I was spending my day, you know, half of my day building the product. And then the other half, just trying to reach out to people in the industry more and more and get connected. And we, we really did a lot of research and identified a number of the AAA studios that we thought would need our solution the most that had the most pain point, um, most present pain points around this. And we were just trying to find ways to connect with them. So, I was fortunate enough to have an advisor and a friend of mine invite me to an app called Clubhouse, um, which at the time was very lively. And the CEO of one of the largest publishers, um, certainly one of the largest publishers in the United States, definitely one of the largest publishers in the world, um, just happened to be talking about what they were doing, his life and all that sort of stuff. And there's some aspects about his personal story and where he came from that resonated with me that I decided, you know what, I've connected with some of the people in his company, I'm just going to send him a cold uh, LinkedIn message. So I found him on LinkedIn, sent him a message, and didn't hear anything back for months. Um, then one morning, just got a message uh, from, from him on LinkedIn saying, hey, you know, sorry, I don't use LinkedIn. This sounds really interesting. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. Let's find a time to talk. Um, so I first made sure that I was actually awake and that this was real. Um, and I followed up with them. We set up a time to talk and I really just asked him, I had a clear ask, you know, I wasn't asking for a partnership or anything. I really just wanted at that time to get 15 minutes of his time to tell him what we were trying to build and find out what barriers on their side that we weren't aware of that might prevent us from being able to actually put this solution in place. Um, and to my surprise, he, you know, set up a meeting and it wasn't just with him, but it was also with the heads of two other studios and publishers that they also own. Um, so it was kind of intimidating, but I got my time and pitched them and, um, you know, they're really, really intrigued by what we were doing. Um, there's a really deep need there. And it was, you know, we had a great back and forth that led to many other meetings. I ended up getting connected with their heads of online services, people that made a lot of their backend infrastructure. And there's a clear fit from what we were doing. And we ended up leaving those conversations a month or so later with strategic investment from them and a, and a path forward to work with their studios, which was really amazing. What a great story. And I think, you know, it just shows that if you have something of value and you have the willingness to to reach out and put yourself out there, sometimes those stars can just align or the timing is right. And so just I think that is so inspiring for, for entrepreneurs to know that it is possible. And uh, in some cases, you can go directly to uh, the person that you you need to get to. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. No, I think it also really speaks to one really important lesson too that I learned through this whole process, which is what like when people have this knowledge and they're in these positions, um, they often want people to ask that you'd be surprised. You think people are asking them all the time, like, hey, what have you learned? What do you know? How does this work? But there's not. And when you do and you genuinely take the time to learn about them and you know do a lot of the legwork so you're not wasting their time, they, they can see that and they'll appreciate that. And they'll give you 10, 15 minutes to start talking through things. And, you know, it's, it's a really valuable lesson. I would encourage everybody to reach out to people um, and, you know, ask those questions. That's right. Well, and I know, I mean, we, we've had the pleasure of being able to work together 
on this for a while now. And even in the the cases where uh, we've helped uh, find other potential partners and customers, you've been able to create these very personalized, heartfelt, genuine messages. And I think that's core to who you are, Zach. And, and I think that desire, anybody can in theory do it, but it also has to be central to who you are. And you you just are that type of person. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt like it's relationships and and that's the kind of mm-hmm. my favorite part of the whole thing is really getting this opportunity to, to, to meet so many interesting people and be a part of progressing the cool things that I think they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So you're working with this big company, certainly by comparison to Smurf. Uh, you have some other big ones that you're in discussion with as well. What what have you learned about working with big companies as a startup now that you maybe wish you had known when you first were engaging with them? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And um you know, I think it's intimidating a lot of times, at least it was for us, for a startup to, to manage up, you know, um, mm-hmm. to, but when you're working with companies that are releasing tons of titles, they're, they have thousands of employees across all these different countries, they're producing billions of dollars in revenue, they have a lot of things going on. Yes. Um, so you, a lot of times you think it's like, you know, respectful to assume that certain people are communicating and you don't want to step in or you don't want to send redundant messages. But what we found is it's really helpful to manage (laughs) up. You know, a lot of times, you know, one part of the company has no idea what the other part is doing. So worst case scenario, if they've already talked, you're just sending them a message they've already heard and they say, hey, thanks for keeping us updated. You know, best case scenario, they didn't even know that was happening. They're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Let's get this done. So definitely speeds things up. You got to, you got to work with them, continuously communicate across all the people, never assume um, certain levels of leadership are communicating with one another and, and help bridge those gaps for them to make it easier to work with you. Um, Cause that's what it's all about. You just want to enable the best and smoothest possible partnership. So they want to do it there and, and, you know, other places moving forward. Yes. That's, I think that's such a great insight. I mean, I I've gone so far in prior lives, to literally draw a org map of who are all the people. And then even in some cases, we've tried to map our organization to theirs. So we have cross communication channels, um, depending on on sort of the culture of that organization. So I think that idea of trying to help them uh, fill in the gaps, because to your point, you can't assume they have nearly as efficient or effective operations and communication as you might believe in looking from the outside. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as a startup too, like, you know, the deal is massive. You're talking a, a multi-million dollar contract. That's everything, you know, you're, you get all these players and sort of stuff Um, for them. They have tons of these going on all the time. So, you know, if you can stand out and help be an easier partnership and, and make all that stuff smooth for them and become a vital part of that process for them, uh, you know, people recognize that and, and they want to work with you for sure. Yes. Great, great insight. Well, you're, you're learning a lot. And that that's always to me the, the hallmark of a, uh, a great entrepreneur with a ton of upside. So, you know, you talked earlier about how gaming is so central to your life and you've had such great experiences. And that was a big part of, of what you wanted to help provide to your brother. Are you having as much fun working in and kind of serving the broader gaming industry as you have playing games? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times, like, you know, the, the classic phrase, I'm probably going to paraphrase it wrong, but it's like, if you like sausage, you don't want to know how that sausage is made, stuff sure. like that. 
Um, I think that's the case for a lot of people. But for me, this has been a dream my entire life. You know, when I was a really little kid, I watched my sister play like before I could even speak. And my sister got me into gaming. And then I was able to get my little brother into gaming. And it's still something that me, my sister, my brother, and all my friends that I grew up with, we still stay connected in that way. So I've always just been infatuated by gaming. Um, So it's just a dream um, to be on this level, to be able to work with these people that created some of the, the IPs and games that were just these really moving experiences for me. I mean, I grew up in a small town where there's more corn than people. Um, there's <laughs> not a whole lot going on. So games and and film and games were just the center of my life. And to be around a lot of these people that made these memorable experiences for me and see the passion that they still have uh, is is really inspiring. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Very cool. Well, I, I certainly can resemble that comment as well, coming from a small town in Indiana. So we, we definitely have that in, yeah. in common Zach, as, as we've talked about. One thing, you know, I haven't asked this when you're meeting with one of the gaming studio or publishers, do you ever have meetings in the midst of playing a game? <laughs> yeah. Um, not always, not really with publishers. I have indirectly. Um, we've had mm. like, we've made connections with people and then they're, you know, they'd be like, Hey, here's my ID. I didn't know you were that high ranked in Valorant. Let's play Valorant sometime together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we get chances to play with content creators or, you know, people that are like professional esports players, stuff like that, um, which has been really cool. Um, sure. you know, played Call of Duty with a number of the people that were developing Call of Duty at the time, which was really exciting. Um, so kind of indirectly, and this mm-hmm. has certainly led to like formal meetings. Um, we definitely as a company have had a couple like, you know, all hands meetings or just fun mm-hmm. sort of play sessions. We do that like once a week. We take an hour and a half or so just to sit down and play a game together and we'll find something we all want to play and and just, you know, spend time there. So, yeah, I wish I wish there's more of it. I wish there is a sure. way to, to do more meetings. Well, that may, like, that may become a part of. Yeah, that may become a part of Smurf's future. Well, you, you bring up a good point. You know, I mean, one of the biggest challenges in building a great company is attracting and keeping great talent on the team. Uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, everyone playing a game you all love together. I'm sure that uh, really helps. How else are you you doing that and really bringing the best possible people you can find to Smurf? Yeah, I mean, that's another really great question. Um, you know, obviously, if you're a person that plays games, we are a great company to want to work mm-hmm. at because we all love gaming. Um, we all, whether it's just watching esports events on the weekends and, you know, y'all getting together to watch world's finals or something like that or if it's getting into the game together we're doing lots of that um but as like a company you know you want to attract the best possible talent and i was very fortunate to have a co-founder that's like amazingly amazingly talented in what he does and you know he's worked with amazing companies and top talent around the world from mit labs to other companies and you know i think it's like having really amazing core talent is a really big part of that because people Mm -hmm. top talent wants to work with other top talent Um, And, you know, as a startup, you don't always have the resources that large, you know, Fortune 100 companies have to compensate people and things like that. Um, But you can create compensation packages that, you know, have larger upside. So there's equity Mm -hmm. in things that you can obviously Mm -hmm. give people that, you know, as it grows, has the opportunity to return much larger than what they would get from, you know, a larger company. But the thing that you really have as a startup, I think... um, is time and attention. And like, you can take 
time to invest in the people that are investing in your company um, mm -hmm. to help them personally grow, to make connections beyond what they're doing with just your company. And I think that that's one of the major things that's helped us attract talent from companies like Facebook, Twitch, other places, Microsoft. And we're continuing to do that, um, you know, with all the meta layoffs as well. Anybody that's listening to this, feel free. You know, our DMs are open. You can reach <laughs> out to Carrie if you know him. I'm sure yes. you can connect us. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we're, we've definitely tried to create a culture where we all invest in one another. It's awesome. And and that starts, in my experience, that starts at the very top. And, you know, when you have that as a core part of who you are as a as a company leader, it it will transcend down into the, the rest of the organization. And they'll continue to live that uh, and build that culture as well. So very, very cool. And I think those are the things that I always get inspired by when, when I get the opportunity to, to work with a founder like you. So um, yeah. super, yeah. super exciting. And those are exactly the places that have the best chance to win because you, you'll, you'll just build that uh, virtuous cycle of great people. Yeah, I really Really appreciate those kind words. And yeah, I'm really thankful. Got to give a shout out to my co-founder, Ben, too, as well. I mean, he's like, he's such an amazing leader of what mm -hmm. he does on the tech side of things that there are people who have every startup and every company that he's worked at have tried to work with him at each one, you know, so it, that really comes from him as well. He's an amazing leader. He really invests in developing people's abilities and and he just cares a lot about people. So really thankful to have him on board as well. Yeah, almost. You can't, you can't think of a, a better uh profile of the co-founder. So yeah, you, you guys make a, a fantastic team. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the capital side. You, you mentioned earlier that this uh, major studio decided to invest strategically. Uh, I know you also have, have worked with and talked with a number of other venture capitalists. What, what do you see or notice as the difference between a more strategically aligned investor and maybe a more traditional VC? Yeah, you know, we had a lot of experience with like more traditional VCs um, in other startups as well. And like going into this one, we knew just by the nature of what we were trying to achieve that strategic investment was going to be a core part of our growth and our path forward. Um, but beyond that, like the real advantages with strategic investment versus, you know, traditional venture capital is it's not just money, you know, it's like it's alignment on a much deeper level. So oftentimes mm -hmm. it's you serving an immediate need that they have. Um, they can provide resources and things that you don't have, and you can provide resources and things that maybe they don't have as well. Um, and, you know, I'd say even beyond those things that I think are kind of apparent of strategic relationship, it's the deep understanding of of what you're doing and the deep understanding of the market and the space that you both operate in that's really helpful. You know, sometimes you can get investors that might be entering a market they're not super familiar with. So mm -hmm. they expect results in unrealistic time periods sure. or they don't know really what to expect. Um, you know, when you work with a strategic that's also in that industry that knows it well, they can help guide you. You know, it's no longer you constantly trying to communicate to them what these expectations should be. A lot of times you're both on the same plane of understanding. They know what those problems are going to come up as and they have a lot more, you know, patience and understanding and really un know what resources to help provide you to overcome a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. And I think uh, so insightful. You know, it, it leads to why I was so drawn to you when we first met is I feel like you're, you're you know, you're just so thoughtful and uh, e wise for even as young as, as you are, Zach, you know, you're, you're growing into this CEO role of a company with just unbelievable potential. How are you 
finding your best ways of developing and, and evolving as you grow into that. Yeah. Again, thank you for those kind of words and everything. Um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, for me, I learn best through doing and conversations. Um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's having an environment of people around me that, you know, will be very honest with you. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have amazing, very transparent relationships in my life. Um, and lots of long-term relationships that have stemmed, you know, more than 10 years. So, you know, those people are really trusted sources of feedback and guidance mm -hmm. and, you know, keeping me, my head straight and giving good, good approaches and trusting them. Um, and, you know, learning what my core competencies are and not, but yeah, I learn a lot through doing and, and conversation. So I try to have as many conversations with people as I'm sure you've seen. I mm -hmm. will try and talk to you, ask you guys questions all the time. Um, and, and just making sure that we have that opportunity to make mistakes and learn from them as quickly as possible. Um, and really, you know, with a company like Smurf and an opportunity like that, it's, it's a little bit different than I think what some other startups will do. Like a lot of times I think founders want to create a company so they can do whatever it is that they want to do in their life. And they want the mm -hmm. company to kind of mold around them, um, where we have this unique opportunity where, you know, it, there's a certain responsibility to do what's best for everyone all the time, not just our mm -hmm. investors and our partners, but the people that are joining our company and the people that are using our product and stuff and actually driving that vision forward. And I, that's an exciting part about it to me. It's, you know, drives personal growth. It becomes a motivator to challenge myself and become the best possible person I can be uh, to make sure that we're, you know, actually capitalizing on that opportunity mm -hmm. and doing the best that we can. Well, you have such an amazing opportunity to really change a lot of behavior within this industry that is one of the most influential and broadly accessing, I mean, billions of people in our world, right? It's, it's, it's actually incredible the scale to which gaming has reached in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even from that perspective, I think that there's like a certain social responsibility That's knowing right. that um, just from the impact that it can have in people's lives. I mean, I've seen it firsthand in my own life where you know, I certainly probably wouldn't have even gone to college if I had not played games and had the experience and met the people that I had that encouraged those sort of things in my life. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's like a, a certain social responsibility that the industry has um, with how much of an impact that it has on people's lives, just like how the film industry used to have and still does have that mm -hmm. responsibility of the, you know, the messages and the stories and that influence that it has on our culture. Gaming has a massive influence on our culture today. It and does. I think that the industry has a responsibility to break down a lot of those barriers that prevent people from coming together and, you know, open that up. Absolutely. So along those lines, you know, what do you feel like the biggest trend or two in gaming that you're watching right now are? That's a really fun question. Um, I think that there's there's a lot of them, but two that really stand out would be, you know, the consolidation that we've like never seen. Um you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that never thought Activision Blizzard would be acquired by anybody. They're just a massive player in the space. They're producing mm -hmm. insane revenue. They're producing great IP, great hits. Um, and it looks like that, you know, some people think that that acquisition is going to go through. Other people don't. But mm -hmm. the fact that that even was, you know, in the industry, that that was on people's minds and those people could come to that agreement to initiate that process is, I think, very telling of where the industry is starting to go. I think we're going to see more consolidation. Um, you know, large publishers coming together and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, the other really cool trend, I think, is like tools enabling indie developers 
to create games that can service way more people. Um, you know, we have like single developer titles that people love and, and mm. millions of people enjoy. And there's this massive evolution of the industry, especially over the last 10 years, where there's just so many more digital distribution platforms that you can get a game out. Um, there's things like Game Pass, where if you're an indie creator, you can get an audience for a game that people may have never even experienced. So mm -hmm. I really like I think that a lot of the innovation of the industry comes from the indie level, um, like a couple developers taking a risk to make a new type of multiplayer game or a new gameplay mechanic. And I think that that's a really important space to look at. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you guys have a particular heart for for those uh, indie games too, which is, I think it's for sure really cool. I mean, I think we've seen that in other areas. I mean, you know, you mentioned the movie industry, but just, you know, content uh, as well has, has continued to proliferate out because of new distribution and new ease of uh, production and all, all of those tools, like you said, that are enabling it. So it will be continued uh, to fund, fun to continue to watch that. It's so cool. So cool to see. As you look out over the next year for Smurf, what what are you most excited about for your own company? Yeah, in the next year, um, I'm really excited to see a lot of these partnerships we've worked a really long time to put together come through. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're doing a lot of things for the first time in the industry. We're getting people to agree to work together um, for the player's interest um, for the first time in ways that they've never done before. So I'm really excited to see all that come out. We have... Um, you know, some celebrity partnerships and some really cool games that we're going to be doing things for. So I'm excited to see that come out, see players get into that and just learn um, the better ways that we can support communities and players and, and, you know, creating the best possible social experience around games possible. So let's look out five years, Zach, you know, what, what do you think the biggest impact that Smurf has had in our world is if you look out five years from now? That's a that's another great and challenging question. Um, I think that there's a couple of different ways to answer that. Uh, you know, from people, I think that for players, we will break down a lot of barriers so they can just own their social vector, that it becomes easier for them to get into games, to stay connected with friends and make lifelong friendships and build community around those things. Um, I think, you know, for the industry overall, we'll help to break down a lot of the barriers that prevent people from getting into games. There's a lot of like, cold starting that exists in games that, you know, can prevent people from just adopting or even want to try out a title. You know, if you pick up a new game, you got to create three new accounts, add your same friend that you've added 10,000 times again, and try and get into the thing. And it's just a challenge. So I think that in five years, seeing all of that breakdown, we'll see a lot more, you know, unique experiences that are opened up to players so they can jump into new games. I think, you know, we'll see more adoption of titles and just more social engagement overall. Very cool. Well, you mentioned earlier, and you know, last question is as we're coming up on time here, Zach. You mentioned earlier you are very open to uh, pulling more people into the Smurf team, and you've had great success uh, with people from some you know well-known brand name companies. What are the roles that you're really trying to fill right now? Yeah, we're a very, very product-oriented um, company and organization. So engineering talent, um, design talent, we're a very user experience forward company. So mm -hmm. UI, UX designers, we're always very interested in, in top UI, UX design talent. Um, and then on the side of, of, of the business operations, 
we're looking at like, you know, new leadership roles, um, you know, things that become relevant as companies grow, mm -hmm. um, fractional executive leadership, things like that. Um, but mainly really excited about building out a lot of the business development side of things. We've talked to, we've had a lot of people from amazing organizations um, approach us that are willing to join our team here um, the beginning of the next year that we're going to pull on. Um, that we're, you know, we're really excited to see the business development side of that um, start to build out as well. Well, Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. You know, as I, I said, you know, you're such a genuine and humble guy. And, you know, you you are building, you and Ben and team are building just an amazing start to a high impact, high value company. And it's so exciting to to be alongside with you. Um, thanks for sharing the story and for joining. And, you know, I'm so excited and look forward to what's ahead for for you guys. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.